<laughs> Juke. What's up, Legacy? How are we feeling? I'm glad because after worship like that, you better be hyped up. Uh, my name is Ren, and I'm the youth pastor here at Legacy Church. So if you're a student or a volunteer in our youth group, you get to hear from me a lot this week, tonight, and then again on Tuesday. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but here we are anyway. So thanks for being here. Our lead pastor, Danny Cook, is um, finishing up his time in Haiti. He was a part of a pastor's conference there um, for the past week straight, uh, training and equipping Haitian pastors to spread the gospel there in Haiti. And so if y'all would just continue to be in prayer for him, his family, that they can finish the stretch without their dad and husband there. And uh, just that God would just continue to do amazing things in Haiti. That would be great. Uh, To recap us real quick, before we jump into what God has for us this evening, for the past two weeks, we have been looking at um, the core of who we are as Legacy Church. Um, and, And we looked at this passage in Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus is being tested by some religious leaders. And in response, he just said, to the question, like, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself or as we are loving ourselves, right? Like we learned last week. And so that's what we've done for the past two weeks. We've just been on this journey to to remind and reestablish us uh, of of who we are before our official launch of Legacy Church Hutto, this campus in the fall. And the top of that is loving God and loving people, just like Jesus commanded us to there in Matthew 22. Uh, Tonight, we're beginning a new series. It's a five-weeker, and tonight's the first one. Uh, And it's just a walk through our core values as a church, right? And so here they are real quick. Everything through relationships, people over their problems, fight normal, obviously. I mean, look at me. I'm up here preaching God's word, okay? And then excellence in all things and generational impact. If you want to know who we are, Legacy Church at our core, we love God, we love people, and then we value these things. And so tonight we tackle the first one on the list, everything through relationships. And then Daniel will be back next Sunday to continue the journey through. Is that cool? Yeah, okay, maybe not, but we're here. Some, all right, we haven't died yet. Let me pray for us. Can I do that? Will y'all join me? Lord, thanks for tonight. Thank you for um, the truth that is in those songs that we just sang out, that you are here, that you are with us, man. And we just wanna bless your name. Will you change us and transform us more into your image over these next few minutes? Will you teach us, maybe remind us of some things that we have forgotten or we haven't been faithful to live out? And God, man, will you just help us through the power of your Holy Spirit uh, to do amazing and powerful things in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, uh, whether you are a people person or not, I think we can all agree that relationships are important. Uh, There's a reason why solitary confinement or isolation is used as a form of punishment to people. When we're deprived of contact with other people, there are mental health effects and there are physical effects as well. The mental health effects include anger, stress, hopelessness, irritability, and psychosis. And some of y'all are like, yeah, 
That describes 2020. Like that's, I'm, I'm in that still right now. The physical effects are a little gnarlier to take a word from Pastor Clint. It says that uh, physical effects of isolation or confinement can be chronic headaches, digestive problems, yucky, and eventually self-harm or even suicide. Reading that, I felt like, man, people would rather die than be alone. People would rather die than be alone. Listen, whether you believe in God or not, you were made in his image. And the image of God is three in one, like we've been talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is relational by nature. Just by way of existence, he's relational and his relationship works out in perfect harmony and perfect balance. Well, we were made in God's image. So this longing for relationship is wired into our DNA. And it's not just to be um, on for, with some things, it's meant to be with everything. There was this Dutch painter, Piet Mondrian, who, uh, and I hope I'm saying that right, was regarded as one of the best of the 20th century. And he's quoted saying this, everything is expressed through relationship. Color, <laughs> I like that. Color can exist only through other colors, dimension through other dimensions, position through other positions that oppose them. This is why he says, and the most important piece of this quote, in my opinion, I regard relationship as the principal thing. The thing among all things is relationship, according to Piet. And what's crazy is that this is a guy who didn't even believe in God. Like he, he didn't even put his faith in Jesus. In fact, he's quoted another time saying, there is no God, only truth, which I think is so dumb. It's, it's like just misses the mark because God is the source, the only source of absolute truth. If you're chasing truth, you're gonna find God. Piet just fell up a little bit short. I don't know about you, but I wanna find truth. I wanna find Jesus. So what does it look like to live like he designed us, like he intended us to live relationally in every aspect of our life? What does it look like to live like Jesus? Well, to answer that question, we got to look at Jesus because one of the best ways to know God is to look at him. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be clicking through them. If you're taking notes, um, get the pencils ready because uh, we're going to have a lot for you. Just buckle up tonight. So we're going to look at a few things Jesus did through relationships, okay? And I think if we can do these things and apply them to our lives, then we're going to see not just our lives transform, but the lives around us, and God's going to do some amazing things. So the first thing is that Jesus models relationship with the Father, Jesus' relationship with the Father was perfect. You're like, yeah, Ren, he's part of the Trinity. Like, of course. But when Jesus, the God-man, the Son of God and the Savior of the world walked on this planet, how he modeled this relationship with God the Father, we've got to look at and we've got to take seriously and we have got to try to mirror as we are being molded more and more into the image of Jesus. He set this example with his life. In all four gospels, Jesus prayed to God. He's, he's recorded, you think that's an accident? It's, it's intentional. Jesus prayed to God in public. 
Jesus prayed to God in private. He had a relationship, a prayer relationship with his father in heaven. I kind of think of it like, you know, whenever, maybe this was just me, I don't know, but like in middle school or high school or something, you know how like you had the phone, somebody, it was like the landline phone and you're like in the middle of the night and you like sneak out and you like go into a room or something and you call your little boyfriend or your girlfriend and no one knows about it. It's all scandalous because you're just listening to their voice on the other side and you just talk all night long until the sun's about to come up and then you're like, okay, I gotta go. My parents are about to leave for work and you got no sleep and then you just show up the next day to school and you're just exhausted, but it doesn't matter because it was worth it. And you're just on the phone like, all I wanna hear is your voice the other person done fell asleep like 16 hours ago and you're just listening to him breathe like a weirdo, but you think it's cute and you're like, ah, ah, oh yeah, that was so, you're like, oh, you're nasty, but, but you loved it. You know what I mean? That's how I imagine Jesus relationship with the father was, but just not as weird. Uh, like in Luke chapter six. Yeah. How are we going to transition this? He's, <laughs> it says at this time, he being Jesus, Jesus, Luke records, went off to the mountain (laughs) to pray. But he spent the whole night in prayer to God, just listening to his voice, just hearing his breath, that breath that, that breathed life into creation. With a word he spoke and everything came into existence. This is who he's talking to. This is who we can talk to. Are you talking to him? Do you have this? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Do you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you? Because this, I put it as number one on the list because I believe it is the firm foundation and it is the source from which everything else flows, our relationship with the Father. Everything through relationships starts here with your relationship with God. Number two, the family. Jesus modeled relationship with the family, and I'm talking about, yes, his immediate family, your sons, daughters, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, and so on, but also our spiritual family, biological family and spiritual family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying what has become known as the high priestly prayer. And he's asking God that we, In this room, we started individually with God the Father. We zoom out a little bit to just us, family, right? He's asking that we would be just as unified as he is, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Father. Wow. He he wants that. Why? Because this would be the greatest testament to the onlooking world of the reality and validity of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection for the payment of all sin if you put your faith in him by his grace. So that's the prayer. That's the hope. In John chapter 13, Jesus models this for us. And we can do this as an example, but uh, I wouldn't recommend starting your conversation with a brother and sister in Christ like this. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. For so I am. Only Jesus can say that. But what he models, we can all do metaphorically. Because he says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, and some of y'all feet nasty, okay, mine included, but this is what he does for us. You so also should wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do also just as I have done to you. If you know these things, 
blessed are you if you do them? Because there's a big difference between knowing and doing, right? Can I get an amen? When you know something, that's half the battle. But are you actually going to do something? Because this is how Jesus interacted with his family. He elevated his brothers and sisters above himself. And what else did they do? As you look throughout the earthly ministry of Jesus, you, you learn that they walked together, they worked together, they ministered together, they prayed, they served together, they ate together, they shared meals. I mean, how many people in this room have you invited over to your house for dinner, right? They encouraged one another. I, I see like these people in the band, I'm like, pay them a compliment after the service or something, right? Stir one another up towards love and good deeds, they shared what they had. They live life together. Are you doing that here in this family? Or you just kind of come and you're anonymous and miscellaneous and, and everything and, and you just kind of check church off. You, you have a great relationship with the father. You're living relationally there, but you're not living relationally here. It's, it's both. It's gotta be. It works together, but it doesn't just stop there. We continue to zoom out. Jesus modeled relationship with the father, with the family, and also with the fringe. These people on the fringe who are spiritually curious, who are interested in God, Jesus, the Bible, but they might not be in, they might not be coming to church. These might be our neighbors or our coworkers. I think of this encounter Jesus had with Zacchaeus. Some of us are probably familiar with it to a degree. We know that there was this short little guy, Zacky, and he was up in a tree. God bless short people. We need y'all. Y'all can do things I can't, like fit into cars and get your hair wet in a shower without, never mind. <laughs> but uh, here, here he was, right? And Zacchaeus had a reputation and it wasn't a good one. He was known for ripping people off and being deceptive. And here was Jesus who was known for healing the sick, working miracles and claiming to be God. And not just that, he was proving it. So he had a following. And then these two worlds collided and Zacchaeus wanted to do better. He just didn't know how. He needed someone to look at him, to see him, to take an interest in him and to take a next step. Well, that's what Jesus did. He, he shares a meal with him at his, at his home. And what's crazy is he got super pushback for doing this. There may be a neighbor or a friend you have at work or, or something that, that if you spent time with, if you stepped into their world, you would get super pushback from the Christian community. People would question you and be like, really? Because remember what they said about Jesus. He, he's gone to be with a sinner. He's gonna hang out with a, with a sinner, this person who has a reputation, but Jesus took the time and he made it personal. And what happened? In Luke 19, Zacchaeus says, behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone out of anything, I restore it fourfold. I'm gonna pay everyone back four times over. Jesus, you changed my heart. And not just that, in, in verse nine, Jesus says to him, yo, today salvation has come to not just you, but your house since he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man. And hear this came to seek and save the lost. Didn't wait for the lost to come to you. Didn't just pray for the lost and hope somebody else did something about it. Didn't just put a social media post saying like, Ooh, praying for the lost. I love the lost. No, actually like it did something about it. Not just knowing, but do it. 
Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Are we vehicles for seeking and saving the lost? When you see a need, meet the need. When you see someone who needs someone to take an interest and care about them, care, right? Listen, elevate other people above yourself, learn from them. Why do you like that? (laughs) Take an interest, invest. Jesus set the example in this. We don't have time to get into all of the other places in scripture where he did because we've got to get on to the next level. The father, the family, the fringe, the far. This is the hardest one. Talk about pushback. This is the one that people have a difficult time with. It can be almost controversial. The ones who are far from God. There are people who think they want nothing to do with Jesus. They think they want nothing to do with Jesus, but the truth is they want nothing to do with religion. But that's not what Jesus offers the lost and it can't be what we offer the lost either because without relationship, that's all it is. Without relationship, it's just religion. And that's not what Jesus came to establish, is it? That's not what he gives us when, when he moves into our heart. It's a relationship. This is why we, we don't do a lot of door-to-door evangelism. I'm, I'm sorry, we, we don't. This is why we don't pass out tracts. This is why we don't yell at people on the street corner very often. It's just, it's just not effective, at least not in the long term. It's kind of like a, like a shortcut or a tortoise in the hare situation. Without relationship, I kind of am reminded of the parable of the sower seen in Matthew chapter 13, where a farmer is just slinging seed. You know what I mean? And some of it lands on some rocks and it just gets picked up by birds. Nothing ever becomes of it. These are kind of like our words or our efforts, just slinging them out there without relationship. Some of the words will land on rocky soil where the the seed can take a little bit of root, but as soon as it shoots up, it gets scorched up, right? And it just withers away and dies because there's no root. There's no relationship that's established. When it lands in in good soil, it thrives for the long haul and it spreads and it becomes something bigger and more beautiful than it ever could have been on its own. And some of us will be planting, listen, you've got friends who are far from God. Like you know people who are far from God who think they want nothing to do with Jesus. Get a name in your head, right? Someone from your past, maybe. Some of us will be planting and watering and cultivating relationships with people far from God for years and years before we ever see a harvest. But I was just in Galatians chapter six, I was just in Galatians chapter six and, and uh, Paul is writing and he says, you know, don't grow weary of doing good for at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. I was encouraged by that and I, and I hope you are too. I wanted to share. So we've got to go where they are, y'all. We, we've got to seek and save the lost, the far. We've got to step into their world. We've got to meet them where they are. We, we can't be afraid and we can't grow weary. Because you know what? It's work, but it's worthy. And the reason why is because the last thing, relationships are forever. Relationships are forever. 
And Jesus modeled this too. Listen, in heaven, our relationships don't end. They become what they were always intended to be. So I just want to live every single day. And I want to encourage you to do the same, just like Jesus did. He made investments in people's life. When you put your faith in him, eternity starts there, right? It doesn't start when you die. We have to live life with an eternal perspective. If you've put your faith in him, live like it. We want other people to understand this, this peace and this freedom too, don't we? Relationships make an eternal impact. One person, well, their entire household could get saved, just like in the case of Zacchaeus. And, and what ripple effect could that have? All because you were bold, all because you had a conversation no one was willing to have, all because you stepped out of your comfort zone and decided to step into a relationship with someone, just like God did when he stepped down into this mess of a planet we call Earth just like when he steps into the mess of a heart that we've all got that are infected with sin. He did this for you and me. The least we could do is do it for other people. Live relationally. This is why Jesus prayed for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's bring a little bit of heaven to earth, right? Some of y'all, um, you may or may not know that our lead pastor, Danny Cook, who's not here, he was my student pastor when I was in middle school and high school. That was a long, long time ago, y'all. Let me tell you. Our worship leader, Drew here, led worship. The church I grew up in, my dad was in that band as well. These relationships, I was reflecting on this message and how far back they go. There are people in this room I've known for decades and you have changed my life and impacted me in ways that I can't begin to express the gratitude I feel for. You've, you've watched me um, through relationship and, and taking care of me, you know, start to spread my wings as a youth pastor, get married, have a family, all these things. We've been in relationship. It's been so good. I think we've been bringing a little bit of heaven to earth. Some students in our youth group now, who kind of met in our youth group, are engaged to be married. And I just see the cycle starting all over again. And this is relational living. We did this. We're doing this together, church. I'm so excited. I want to see more people get along for the ride. I don't know about you. I think everyone should experience the presence of Jesus. Like I know we experience when we step through these doors. This is a church that gets this, that lives this. I know because I've seen it, I've experienced it. And listen, it's not always pretty. It's sure as heck not always easy. There will be times where we disagree. There will be times where we've got to ask for forgiveness, but that's what family does. And family doesn't quit or give up on one another. We forgive one another because Jesus forgave us. We don't give up because he doesn't give up on us. This is what happens when we do everything through relationship. And this is just the first core value. We got four more. Will y'all be here for the other four? I hope so. Because if you are, and we remember these things, and apply these things, don't just know them, but do them. We'll see that, we'll see that seed take root. It's gonna be amazing. Y'all pray with me. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for a family like this one. 
who starts with the relationship with you, God the Father, a love relationship with you, who's passionate about the fringe and the far, who would love a sinner like me. God, who who understands the eternal component of relationship. I pray every person in this room lives with eyes wide open, relational eyes wide open, that we see the people under our roof, the people in our places of work or in our schools, on even social media, even the cashier at the grocery store as an opportunity to love like Jesus. Will you grow us? Will you encourage us, Jesus, and inspire us to be more like you? Will you transform us daily by the renewing of our minds? Help us to to meditate on your word, to be constantly in prayer, to run everything through your lens, Jesus. May we see heaven come to earth. God, you are so good. We are so unworthy, but we are so thankful that you made us in your image. May we bring all the glory back to you. That's due your name. That's all in the name of Jesus. We pray it up. Amen.